Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to A Higher Branch. In this week's episode, we invite Lindy Cohen back again to discuss how to have a healthy relationship with food. And in the first part of this podcast, we talked about the common food rules that people impose on themselves, why making food forbidden makes it more attractive, how to eat, when to eat, and we haven't talked about what to eat. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about sleep and its relationship to food, eating at work, and how we can reconcile some of the principles we talked about in the first part of this podcast. And we're going to talk about some of the recipes that Lindy has published. And on that note, Lindy, welcome back. Thanks again for having me. So your book is called The Nude Nutritionist, Delicious Recipes, Mindful Eating and Banishing Food Guilt and Feel Amazing. I love all those things. (laughs) Tick, 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 tick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's basically a book to help people stop obsessing about food and ideally never diet again because we we know diets don't work so how do we actually do that though that's what the book kind of tries to explore so it helps people to stop obsessing about food and to never diet again i love that the book has been sold out until august is yeah, that right it's had like globally six or seven reprints and it's going to go for another reprint we're just waiting for new stock to come in so it should be in by august 2021 so now we have a copy of that book here and I might get you to sign it if you may, because we're going to give away a very, very precious copy. I'm tempted to keep it for myself, but I will order one and make sure we give this to someone who really wants a copy of this book. And we'll tell you about that a little later on. But some of the testimonials that I'd like to read about the books, I scoured the online portals. And this is what some people have to say. Number one testimonials, love this book and its approach to health. It's really helping me change my mindset about what I consider healthy attitudes towards food and diet culture. The Nude Nutritionist is nothing short of authentic genius in its execution. It is highly accessible and successfully presents a possibility of an alternative framework for intuitive eating, whilst expertly critiquing the existing fad dieting paradigm. Love that. Another I mean, one. authentic genius. I mean, that, that's my mum. <laughs> <laughs> Another one says, it's humble yet informed tone empowers individuals with tools to listen to the innate guidance of their unique bodies and to love the process. Another one says, this book will have a profound impact on those who have a complex relationship with food. So true. And inspire change in the lives of those who are exhausted by their own patterns of maladaptive perfectionism. On that note, is it our quest for perfectionism, and it seems to be a common quest at the moment, that is leading causes of an unhealthy relationship with food? Yeah, I think so. I think ultimately, what is the reason that we all become so obsessed with what we should and shouldn't be eating for the most part chasing the idea of what we think we should look like so if you open any magazine or look at the front cover of any health magazine you're going to be presented with one body type one look and to achieve that look firstly you need to win the genetic lottery second of all you need to train really really hard third of all you probably need to go on a dehydration diet in order to get ready for that photo shoot you then have makeup artists, you have lighting, you have hair, you have the whole works, getting that person to look the way that they look. And really what we end up doing is we send the message that this
this is the way that you look healthy. It means you are on a really strict diet, this perfect diet, and that you have to have this one ideal body type, a body type that's been photoshopped. So not even the model who's on the magazine has that body type. So we're chasing something that doesn't really exist. I struggle with perfectionism. A bit off topic, but I love interior design. I love my house and I get really excited about putting beautiful things in it. And my husband has to say to me sometimes, he's like, we don't live in a Vogue living magazine. The house doesn't need to look perfect at every single mm. moment. And I think that perfectionism can turn up in our lives in so many ways. It creates this dialogue in our head of I'm not good enough. And I think that that is one of the most damaging things that propels us forward. It can be masked as self-help where we go on these journeys of never any perpetual self-help. And I'm a lover of self-help. I love mm. self-help books. But ultimately, at what point is this really just about chasing to try and find a version of yourself that you're going to like? And will you ever be good enough to like yourself? Or at some point, do we need to stop and go, I will never be perfect. I am imperfect, but I am worthy of respect. It's the same with your body. Your body will never be perfect. Those goalposts will continue to move. But at what point are you going to decide to yourself, hmm. my body's worthy of getting exercise that it enjoys, filling it with food that makes it feel good. I don't need to punish it with exercise. I don't need to deprive it of the foods that make it feel good. At what point are we actually going to reach that point where we realize that health isn't about looking like the people we see on the magazines, but rather about having the energy to do the things we love, falling asleep easily, having hormones that are balanced and not thinking about food every second of the day. So true. I, I posted something on Instagram the other day, which I didn't know you were going to talk about this, but what you just said reminded me of that. I said, when self-perfection becomes the goal, narcissism becomes the disease. Too much focus on well-being can make you sick. That's yeah. profound. It was a Sunday and we had so many social things and I was sitting there stacking all my supplements that I was going to take with me. My wife looked at me, she said, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Your body will be okay for one day without supplements. <laughs> and then I thought, where does this quest for perfectionism come from? And maybe that's another therapy session, but it's more about not focusing on where that came from, but you know, how to change that. Perfectionism is deeply tied with food. So let's think about when we want to get healthier. I so often hear mm. from people going, if you could just give me the perfect day on a plate, I would love to eat that. Just tell me what to eat. Tell me when to eat it and what to Good eat question. it. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and give, make sure it gives me all the nutrients that I need and I will follow it. And I wish I could do that. But what ends up happening when we do those sorts of things is firstly, it's very hard to maintain. But even if you could maintain it, what we find is that those people who eat these perfect diets and they eat the same thing day in, day out, they're actually not supremely healthy. So let's talk about gut health for a second because it's a very interesting thing in the way that gut health is related to our emotional well-being and our immunity and a whole bunch of things, really important things. So if we eat the exact same foods every single day, we can only foster a certain number of gut bugs in our system. So if you think about it, if each gut bug is going to help you ward off a certain disease, and if you're only eating certain types of food, you're only feeding certain kinds of gut bugs. So mm. the diversity of gut bugs is very small because you're having a small diet of limited variety. I have my poached chicken and whatever kind of diet food I have. 
But when we start to eat a varied diet that changes with the seasons, that means that we're constantly varying what we eat. What we find is we are getting so much nutritional diversity, different plant-based foods. They're feeding a whole army of diverse gut bugs that mean that we can actually ward off a whole bunch of additional diseases and illnesses when they come our way. We're more resilient as a result of this. So the perfect diet does not exist. The perfect diet is a diet that is constantly varied, where every day is different, where there is a reason that we talked about in part one, that certain foods are in season at certain times. And what we end up doing because of our food supplies, we eat the exact same foods year round. So we're never pushed to actually change up what we're eating. And we have this nutrition perfectionism where we think that we just, these are the safe foods. These are the foods I'm allowed. And therefore I don't want to yep. deviate from that. And so we get stuck in a, a bit of a boring food rut, but more importantly than that, our body doesn't thrive as a result you need diversity in your diet and so there's this idea that the, the japanese were the first ones to talk about it um, of plant-based diversity as almost being one of the most important pillars when it comes to eating healthily where we aim to eat 50 different plant-based foods within the week now it's a lot of it's different. a lot it's a lot yeah. even trying to eat 20 is a good goal to have so what you basically think about doing is all right well if i sit down to my plate mm. instead of thinking all right well i can't have these foods in it we're going right well how many different plant-based foods can i get in and let's say you make a muesli all right well can i change up which ingredients i get as opposed to going to the shops each week and getting the exact same muesli because i know this is the one that ticks all the nutritional boxes and is safe and is okay for me to eat or we make a juice in the morning and we put in the same supplements that we always have because this is healthy and what's truly healthy is being allowed to be varied and flexible and fluid in our diet and changing with the seasons Wow, so my mother was right all along. <laughs> well, we think about the blue zones and these people who mm. live longer and, and more rich lives, they follow the classic principles that our grandparents followed. Yeah, this is why I love your approach and this is why I wanted to have you on the podcast because there is wisdom in those pages that you've written and what you say. And as an example, have you heard of Viome? No. So it's a lab in America. It's become very popular amongst the self-help gurus like Dave Asprey and what have you. So it's a microbiome testing kit. And so being a perfectionist and that's why I'm a good lawyer by the way because <laughs> I will stay up at night sweating every clause and every word but anyway I, I digress so I tested my microbiome and it said these are the foods to avoid you have too much of this bacteria not enough of this and it's like very thorough broad spectrum report so it said your superfoods broccoli blueberries listed a few things and then it encourages you to test it and retest it now my wife sounds a little bit like les right <laughs> you know she'll say the house can be messy and she also said why do you need to do these tests can't you just listen to your body so but i really want to know what's going on scientifically we're on the verge of infotech and biotech and i want to know what's going on so i can engineer my diet right get it perfect <laughs> get it perfect right <laughs> i want perfect microbiome perfect all the bacteria get along harmoniously there is no arguments going on in there anyway so i retested it six months later you know what my foods to avoid was broccoli one of them spirulina was another one now these are the foods that i was having religiously because my previous one said now viome is obviously a good product because it tells you that hey, your microbiome changes and you need to aim for variety. But how much simpler is it to just follow the principles that you're espousing? Because <laughs> well, it's daily. 
do you know what it does as well by saying yes. to you eat these superfoods it's glorifying certain foods above it others yeah and so you know people often ask me they'll say something like yeah but there are good fruits and there are bad fruits there are high sugar fruits and unhealthy fruits and i say what's unhealthy is eating only five fruits in your entire life because the rest are considered bad you mm. don't get much diversity you don't get to in the nutrient benefit of having food when it's in, in high season and so what we start to do is we limit when we create this sense of superfoods there is a hierarchy of, of vegetables even yes. oh, these are the better vegetables and yes. therefore we end up eating just those ones we're limiting our diet and as a result, we're not doing as well. The fundamental principle of gut health is diversity. And so it sounds like we know these things, we do these things, mm. but when nutritionism gets into our head, then it makes it even trickier for us to just go, I'm just going to eat, I'm going to eat balanced, I'm going to like mix it up and keep things fresh because these are the foods I have to be eating, which is what it sounds like happened to you. When you said nutritionism, it sounds like a disease. <laughs> it is. It I, is. I don't believe it's a good thing. I think it's very interesting that the more we know about nutrition, almost the harder we're finding it to be nutritious because we have too much information. It's the paradox of choice where there's so many things we should be doing, could be doing that we feel overwhelmed. We end up doing nothing at all or we end up doing it all and, <laughs> and we end up taking too much spirulina and too much broccoli. And you know, I know. I remember anyway. <laughs> going to my mother's. I'm Lebanese heritage. So when you go to your mother's, first thing she chops up carrots, cucumber, olives. And I remember she saying, why are you eating the carrot? And I said, I've read this article, it's too high in sugar and it should be cooked. I'm eating all these superfoods. And she said, carrot is a superfood. And I said, really? And she said, just because it's not scarce, <laughs> doesn't <laughs> just, make it less so. Just because you don't need to sell a kidney in order to be able to afford it. I'm so for that. And that is, that is spot on advice. At any time we're getting a diet or a philosophy that's telling us that there are bad vegetables, you kind of got to go, oh, where's the line? At what point are we just trying to find fault in everything? Because no vegetable is perfect. You know, something like carrot, it's got all these redeeming qualities. And yes, it has got slightly more sugar than other vegetables, but it's still a carrot. And no. to keep it all in context, we realize that if we simplified nutrition to the, the key basics, it's mm. this. Cook more at home, foods that you enjoy, find exercise that you actually enjoy. Yes, yes. Eat more vegetables than you currently are, five to ten. Five to ten serves a day and prioritize sleep. If you do those four things, you get those four things right, we know from the research you're going to be a healthier person as a result of it. Do you know that only 4% of Australians eat enough vegetables? Yeah. Yeah, and yet we're always looking for the next panchia when it comes to diet and like tell me the secret what's the thing you need to do well firstly everyone needs to eat a whole lot more vegetables and only 50 percent of australians eat one serve of fruit a day most people don't even get to one piece of fruit a day my gripe with the whole demonizing healthy foods is that it can leave us feeling like what am i allowed to eat you know when people say to me oh well salad dressing's got some sugar in it and it's got some fat in it and it's bad for me well if salad dressing helps you eat salad then it's never bad for you. So if true. it means yep. having a <laughs> teaspoon of sugar or fat allows you to consume three serves of vegetables and enjoy it and get excited about eating it again tomorrow, then I think that's a brilliant thing. I have never met a person who is unhealthy because they eat too much salad dressing, not one. And I've spoken to lots of people about what they eat. People don't struggle with their weight because of salad dressing. They I'm glad you called that out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what ends up happening yeah. as well? We take salad dressing off the menu. 
we get sad salads. No one wants to eat a sad salad. You know what a sad salad is. You've eaten it. It's boring. It's got none of the fun ingredients, none of the reasons that you turn up for the salad. I'm only turning up to the salad for the good bits. I'm there for the avocado. I'm there for the feta. I'm there for the salad dressing. And olives. And and (laughs) olives and the crunchy bits on top. And I go to so many cafes and I order a salad and they are sad because the person who made that salad obviously doesn't like salad. Now, if you don't like salad, you're doing it wrong. You're, you're making it thick. It's like salad has to be a very healthy thing and, and it's intrinsically healthy. So you don't need to push it and make it like sad and boring and calorie-less. No, yes. what you need to find is how can I make healthy food truly enjoyable? And if that means adding in a bit of extra fat and a bit of extra sugar, but I consistently do it, you win. You totally win because that's when we Beautiful. get people who yep. eat healthily consistently the key to consistency is enjoyment and the same thing applies with exercise if you are doing exercise that you truly enjoy you're going to be so much more consistent at it and i always say going for a 20 minute walk that you enjoy Mm. is better than an hour at the gym that doesn't happen because when you don't enjoy stuff you don't turn up for it you're inconsistent with it but when you enjoy it you will turn up and so even if it means that 20 minutes of walking is yes it's not going to give you the heart benefits that maybe a high intensity interval training is going to do it's not going to give you the strength benefits of going to the gym for an hour but you consistently turn up and doing it you are miles ahead of anyone who's doing exercise that they hate Absolutely. And I want to talk about exercise and sleep. But when you mentioned the sad salad and the and the, the person making it, I laughed because I went to a restaurant. I won't mention the name. Actually, I will. It's not a problem. I love the other food. They're Bills and Double Bay. Yeah. <laughs> they just opened there. And I ordered what's called just a chopped salad. But it was the saddest salad and I left everything. I didn't want it because it was tasteless. Bills, that was a sad salad. Yeah. All the other food is really yummy. Yeah. But that was created by someone who doesn't love salads. I love what you said there because it's a game changer really because there are people listening who are worried about the half teaspoon of sugar in a tea or the adding honey mustard dressing to a salad thinking oh that's loaded with sugar but the benefits far outweigh the negatives i'm bewildered because i go out with people for dinner sometimes and they'll say oh no i just don't have sugar in my and they're not enjoying their tea or their coffee now, obviously, you'd prefer it with a bit of sweetener, but then they'll order a dessert, which is so much more full of sugar. And I could never understand that. Now you've just framed it in such a way where I think a lot of people will say, yeah, just make it taste good. Make it taste, taste good. good. And, you know, the big problem with this is that we actually waste willpower on making these decisions like, oh, I'm mm. not going to have salad dressing. So that actually takes up a lot of willpower to force yourself to eat healthy food that doesn't taste good. And so what ends up happening is willpower is a, a finite resource. It gets depleted during the day. And by the time we've used up all that willpower in the morning on micro decisions that fundamentally don't even improve our health, we get home and we that's when we go, all right, well, I'm going to just eat the Nutella from the jar or cereal for dinner or we're going to have dessert tonight because I really need it. And that's the stuff that actually matters. So we're wasting Mm. all of our headspace when it comes to nutrition on things that don't matter. I can't tell you how many questions I get asked like, Lindy, which is the healthiest brand of yogurt? Which bread is really the healthiest? Which salad dressing must I be having? These are micro decisions. And if you're asking these questions, I'm going to want you to have all the basics sorted. So you're exercising every day and you're enjoying it. You're eating at least five, mm. maybe 10 serves of vegetables a day. You're getting your fruit and you're getting all these stuff. You're cooking a lot of scratch. Only once you've got all those things down below sorted, 
do we start to focus on these fine-tuning habits? This is very high-level stuff. Mm. What I want most mm. people to do is use that willpower that you do have to focus on the stuff that actually matters. You get the basics right, you build from there. Kind of like Maslow's hierarchy. Of yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. And in fact, if you're wasting precious energy on micromanaging all these little things, then people who are familiar with our framework and the eight areas of life it usually means that you're taking your focus and attention bandwidth away from the other areas, from your work, work performance, your relationships with uh, your partner, with your family, with your friends, your ability to learn and absorb stuff. Like you said, we only have enough bandwidth. It's a bit like internet bandwidth. We only have so much. Exactly. And you simply can't live a full life on an empty stomach. You simply can't. You simply, firstly, it's not giving you enough energy. And also your mind's preoccupied by what you ate that day. If you lie in bed at night and you run through everything you ate that day, well, think about all the other things that you could be doing apart from sleep. Think about all the other yeah. like ambitious mm, things you could absolutely. be dreaming of. Being obsessed with food keeps your life small. It limits your potential because you're just stuck in the same cycle of how many calories did I have today? How many macros? Was I good? Was I bad? It's boring. It's not helping you progress anywhere. And you could be doing much bigger and better things with that headspace. Beautiful. Now, there was something you said in part one of our podcast. You talked about intuitive eating and you said it's about being mindful and noticing your thoughts and one of the principles that i talked about at upgrade your life uh, so our second framework is called the circle of conscious living and it's about living consciously rather than making decisions in your day from the subconscious research tells us 85 percent of what most people do in the day is from the subconscious which means that you are repeating what you did yesterday so you really can't make behavioral change with only 15 percent of that resource so whenever i talk about living consciously and people will know what I mean that listen to this podcast because I'm very conscious about each of the eight areas. I journal every day. I focus on my goals and dreams in each of them. I take action in each of them. I go back at the end of the day and process acceptance and gratitude in each of them. When I talk about these things, they say, I'd rather live spontaneously. I don't like to live consciously where I'm in deliberate control of every decision I make. And why I like conscious living? Because it helps you notice your thoughts, which is what you were saying. That's how you become intuitive. It's like, what am I feeling right now? Am I feeling guilty because I've eaten this? So intuitive eating is about being conscious mm. of your thoughts and feelings. And my answer to that person who said that to me, I'd rather be spontaneous. And I say, when you rely on spontaneity, you end up drifting in the direction of your greatest weaknesses. For some people, it's scrolling social media. For some people, it's binge eating. For some people, it's over snacking. So is being mindful is such an important part of being an intuitive eater? Absolutely is. I think when it comes to food, what we need to start to get conscious about is our thinking behind food and the triggers that trigger us to do this unhealthy behavior. So one of the key triggers that many people have that they don't quite realize is coming home after a busy day. It's the moment you walk through that front door. It's that environmental cue that happens. Yeah. And you, as soon as you yep. walk in, you think, I'm famished, I'm hungry. This is the time when I can finally tune out. This is the time I can use food to help numb what may have been tough for the day. Mm. And now I can really just enjoy food and, and that's when the eating can start. Or for some people, it's the moment you get into the car. Another very, very common one is sitting in front of the TV. So it's almost like when we turn on our TV, turn on our favorite show, we are like Pavlov's dogs ringing with that bell ringing. We start to salivate. We think, okay, this is when I normally eat. I eat in front of the TV. Therefore, when I sit in front of the TV, I get hungry. 
And so one of the things yep. I want everyone to become conscious of, what are the patterns that surround your eating habits? Do you find yourself that you're coming home and this is all very familiar? Is there a, an environmental cue that's making you, trigger you to, to overeat? Is it, is it the couch? Is it the TV? Is it getting, going through a drive through in your car? Is it someone who says mm. something triggering to you? Is it a stressful day? What are your triggers? We need to get really conscious about the things that's actually driving you, propelling this unhealthy behavior because you know what you should be doing, but we need to change the the cue in order to be able to stop it can it also be because you're in a segue in a day where you have nothing to do it's like you finished work you come home and this is where a lot of people fall into that trap and say okay there's an hour to go before i have dinner or I have a shower what do i do it's when we get lost if you like yeah, we're in between things boredom, break it's something to yeah. do it's kind of like smoking in a way smoking used to be a chance for us to have a break and uh, fill the moment fill the moment mm. exactly and so that's what we're doing. We're filling space. But about this whole conscious living thing, in a way, I actually want parts of nutrition to become unconscious. In a way, when you habitual, drive... Habitual, you mean, habit. Yeah, yeah. Habi habitual, exactly. Mm. So like when you're driving a car and we're, we're driving the car and, and if you've been driving for many years, we're not thinking about every single micro thing that we're doing while we're driving a car. You can listen to a podcast while you're driving a car. You can listen to music. You can have a conversation. You can actually do two things at the same time because driving in a way has become quite habitual and, and automated and I think this is what I'd love parts of nutrition to be for you is where you don't even have to think about it it doesn't require willpower in order to execute that and so to actually be able to do this where things become habits we really need to take our approach to getting healthy much slower so it, what if we know people try to do too many things at one time and one of the things I did when I lost 20 kilograms over four years is I worked habit by habit so I asked myself all right well maybe I could start getting 10,000 steps a day question one is this something I can do for the rest of my life yes do I actually enjoy this yes Okay, cool. So I start implementing it. Only once that habit was running on autopilot did I now think, all right, I'm ready for my next habit. And so instead mm -hmm. of collecting food rules, I started collecting habits that felt good to my body. And I just added more and more and more and more, but really, really slowly. And over time, I suddenly found that four years had moved past. And here I was, this person I always dreamt about being. Health seems like it all comes easily to me because I've just slowly morphed into that person with those healthy habits. I love that three-step process. It's very, very simple, but really, really powerful. And it's sustainable. That's the most important thing. Yeah, because we know that 80% of people will regain the weight they lose on a diet. Majority of people will regain more weight than they originally lost. And what we know as well is that weight cycling, that is gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight again and again, is actually increasing your risk of premature death than simply existing in a larger body. And yep. so what we need to avoid is this on-off, on-off kind of thing and just yeah. taking it slow and finding something that's actually sustainable. Now, a lot of the things that we've said in the first podcast and the second one is that I'm thinking of the people that are listening now and they're thinking, okay, I have diabetes or I have a thyroid problem or I have maybe celiac disease or high cholesterol. I've been told not to eat certain foods and I want to eat those foods and I have an unhealthy relationship with food because of these underlying conditions. Now, I know, as I said, from the principles you've covered, we can reconcile, you know, those two competing interests. But I just want to cover it again because people are listening and thinking, yes, 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 but... 
Yes. And what you're raising is really valid. Mm. So let's say someone's got celiac. They absolutely cannot eat gluten. Yeah. You know, it has huge effects on their body. That is really tricky. And so what we often need to do is try and find ways to reshift them always having access to a gluten-free option that doesn't feel like it's a compromise. And so how can we do that? But for people who have intolerances, who can maybe tolerate a little bit of having something, I think what we need to do is, is try and change your relationship with our food. So let's say you go, all right, well, I'm not allowed to have dairy, but I can't stop eating dairy because I'm not mm. allowed to have it. Well, me telling you you should, well, reinforcing that you shouldn't eat it is not going to help at all. We actually need to rework how you see dairy and go, well, what if you do have dairy? And then let's work on what, what are your thoughts while you're eating the dairy? What are your thoughts afterwards? So you're beating yourself going, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I was terrible. Well, then we're just perpetuating the cycle. So in those circumstances, there's a lot that we can start to work through. You can take things like lactase, for example, if you are have lactose intolerance just until you kind of restabilize and start to renormalize your relationship with our food. And with time, you end up thinking, oh, well, you know, I know dairy doesn't make me feel good. It does, I don't have a complicated relationship with it anymore. Therefore, I, I choose not to have it because I'm now in control with food again. And so there is yep. a temporary phase where we need to go through almost the recalibration of learning to have a healthy relationship with certain foods. And that is a bit tricky. Now, with someone with type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, it is a little bit more challenging because you've kind of got to balance, balance insulin. But all of these things can be done. If the opposite of right now is that you're out of control with food, you're binge eating, that pretty much anything we're doing is going to help to reduce that binge eating, even if it means a short-term kind of recalibration period with that food, we're going to get a really positive end outcome, which is what I really want. And so one strategy is to just go, well, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to try even harder not to eat that food and you're going to be out of control with the food. The alternative is to go, okay, what if I could change my relationship to it? Temporary pain, future gain. Beautiful. Lastly, Lindy, why are you called a nude nutritionist? <laughs> Who came I, up with that? I came up with that, and that's yeah. all about being stripped bare, back to basics, no bullshit. Okay, uh, that's what can, I thought it meant. Yep. You can tell by the way that I, I think about food. Yeah. I'm, I'm really trying to keep it to the the basics of what, yeah. I, what I think people should really be doing. There's no nonsense with me, no wellness wankery. I'll call it out if I see it. Well, it obviously works because there's so many people that follow your work. Even my business partner in Perth, David Clark, who's an avid listener of this podcast, said to me, you need to get Lindy Cohen on your, <laughs> your podcast. And there's people in their teens and their 20s and their 40s, David's in his 60s, who follows your work. Now, just for Everyone who's um, thinking, how do I get in touch with uh, Lindy Cohen? Her website is Lindy, that's L-Y-N-D-I-C-O-H-E-N.com. Her Instagram handle is at nude underscore nutritionist. And the Facebook handle is just Lindy Cohen, the nude nutritionist. I mean, you can find me. If you, if you Google good, the yes. nude nutritionist, <laughs> you're going to find me. Just make sure that your internet settings are all right. Otherwise, you're going to come across some interesting stuff. Yes. If you get that Google search <laughs> wrong. And you have lots of YouTube videos as well. And you're on Twitter. But again, the highly recommend the Back to Basics app. And also on that note, before we wrap it up, how do we give away this book? Tell us about your unhealthy relationship with food and what you've learned. Maybe you've learned even just one thing from listening to Lindy that resonated with you and has sparked the motivation for that minor change in your life. 
but please leave a review uh, on the podcast and hopefully you'll be one of the people and we'll reach out to you and we'll send you this very very rare copy that you just can't get anywhere globally at the moment yeah very rare signed copy awesome look thank you so much for coming into the high branch studios and we'd love to have you back again in the future if you're open to that yeah thanks so much for having me sam it's been great and we're also going to have a discussion offline about lindy might be one of the speakers at upgrade your life so stay tuned and thank you again for listening uh, to another week's episode of a higher branch and as always live consciously my friends Thank you.